This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Whether it is a Maragoda head shirt... Oh, fuck me. Good head shirt? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Fuck is a head shirt. I, I don't know what a head shirt is. Fuck me. Hey, this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Welcome to Two Tone Uncensored. I am your host, Ryan Warland. With me tonight is a man putting Matt Cashel to shame with that handlebar mustache, Glenn Lotzenheiser. How are you doing, Glenn? Yeah, well, I saw the challenge, and I said, you know, I'm going for gold. Here we are. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's pretty badass looking. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> My wife hates it. <laughs> Absolutely All hates the it. more reason to keep it. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, as you guys, everybody listens to the show, know there's a third uh, partner in this mix, uh, Matt Necrone. He cannot make it tonight. Uh, I think he is still celebrating the ass whooping that Clemson put on Ohio State. So I don't think he's he's quite done celebrating yet. He better get it in quick because I don't think he's going to be celebrating after the next game. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, fighting words for him. <laughs> hey, I no hate. I like Clemson. I hope they win. I just uh, I don't see it happening. But let's jump into some Titan stuff here. Let's get into the mailbag. Tyler Musson, he sends in a question here. He said, we have two first-round draft picks at 5 and 18th overall. Uh, our secondary, as he puts it, couldn't cover Skittle with a beach towel. Our wide receivers never get separation outside of Rashad Matthews. And we are running a hotel resort for opposing tight ends. What two issues do you think we need to cover in the first round? Uh, it's the same as we said a few weeks ago. It's absolutely you've got to get a, a middle linebacker or a coverage linebacker, somebody that you can match up on tight ends. And then secondary, uh, all parts of it, specifically corners. But uh, se- secondary, middle of the defense is middle linebacker. So somewhere in there. I thought Avery Williamson had a really good game this week. I've liked the way he's played the last few weeks, so it's not him. and It's not even necessarily Woodyard. We just need an upgrade in pass coverage in the middle of the field. Absolutely agree with you, and I'm going to add a little asterisk onto the end of that and say that that's the that's the go-to rule inside linebacker that can play in coverage and uh, obviously a boost in the secondary, uh, the cornerback, with the asterisk except Mike Williams is available, then take Mike Williams just because of how talented this kid is. There's always going to be that best player available you know, situation where you like, okay, well, we can get someone who can do the job but this guy, we can't find somebody else like. So, yeah, you know, I, I would agree with that. But if you're just asking me what my target is, that's it. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And, you know, even with wide receiver being a big need of ours, it is. I, I would really like to see us shape up this defense first. Because uh, we obviously found a pretty solid wide receiver this season in Rashad Matthews. And, and we'll talk a bit on him later. Uh, but he's had a, a stellar season and really stepped up for us this year. Next one here from Ronnie Sneed. He asks, uh, should we take the round? We were just talking about this, Glenn. Would you rather take the route of best player available, uh, regardless of need, 
or you know, to take the best guy at the position of need? You know, it, it's always kind of a debate. It's how close are they, and can you address it later on based on the draft board is that. So it, it's always going to be a little bit of each. I'm generally a opponent of just taking the best player available just because I didn't trust our GMs to find good players later. With John Robinson, pretty much whatever he wants to do, I always say you, you take the biggest difference maker available at that position. It may not always be the flashiest guy or the uh, the best-known pick, but you t- take the guy who will do the most, who will change the game the most for you within what you do as a team. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't want to take a scat back just because he's the best player available, and we wouldn't want to just take the first middle linebacker that's out there uh, whenever we come up to our pick just because we need a middle linebacker. So th- there's, you know, er- and everybody knows this, there- there's a balance there between best player available and, you know, best value. But my biggest thing is I want the, the best playmaker, the best difference maker, and that may not actually end up being the best player at that position or the best player available based on just what Robinson's going to find out. So we, we may need a middle linebacker and cornerbacks and wide receivers. That doesn't mean, you know, he won't take a tight end somewhere where everybody's going, oh, take this guy. You know, uh, we're, we're going to be more likely surprised in the draft than not because John Robinson is obviously a great evaluator of talent, and there's going to be some things that we just don't see coming that are going to happen there, and I, I really look forward to it. Well, you look uh, last year, and this is to add to your point, last year in the draft, we went out and the very first pick off the board, we moved up, and me and you both saw, thought the exact same thing, Glenn, that we were getting Larry Tunsil with that pick, and he, he uh, obviously veered off of what everybody, most people thought at least, and got Conklin, who turned out to be a great pick for us, and graded as easily the best rookie lineman at any position this season I mean, he had a spectacular year and then you look at the the beginning of the second round I don't think anybody expected us outside of some diehard Bama fans uh, expected us to take Derrick Henry at that position and we did and it ended up being a really smart pick you know we had a guy a little bit of a change of pace back that had a good season for us this year just coming off of a, a good game last week so it's you know, I really trust in John Robinson. There's some guys that I'd like to see a snag. You know, we've talked a lot about Mike Williams. Um, you know, I definitely have my favorites at corner, as we talked about in that draft preview. And if you haven't uh, heard that draft preview we've been talking about, it's, go back a couple episodes uh, and you'll see it there. Uh, and you can listen to the whole thing. But, you know, there's some guys I like at corner more than others. There's some guys I like at inside linebacker more than others. But I really do trust and John Robinson as an evaluator. That's his background, you know, being the head scout at, uh, the, with the Patriots, and he really does a fantastic job of it. I mean, look at how good the Patriots have done in the draft. That speaks for itself, you know, his past work. So I really trust uh, him, but I really think that taking the best available pick works if you have a strong uh, team. Uh, or, you know, you have a good team all around, pretty much, uh, then it's a, the best way to go about it. But if you have desperate needs, like we do at cornerback, uh, I, I think you have to. to I, as much as I trust John Robinson, it would definitely shock me and probably upset me if we don't take a cornerback in the first round with one of those two picks. Um, I, 
I think you go for best player available. We have a, one need that's far above the others, in my opinion. That is a desperate need that you have to uh, not get with best player available, but you have to go for a positional pick at corner um, in the first round. I, I wouldn't be upset if it was a second pick, but definitely has to be addressed in the first round. Yeah, and, you know, we may not even use both picks. There's a good chance that we just trade down and add, you know, high picks later on, too. The biggest thing that I, you know, what you just pointed out, he, he took Conklin when we thought, you know, he was going to be a genius and take Tunsil, and he got Conklin, and Conklin turned out to be an amazing pick. And then, you know, the Derrick Henry taking the best player available, the biggest difference maker, at a position you don't really need him because you have DeMarco Murray, just building for the future. Uh, what what you were saying about if you've got a really good strong team or a strong base, you just always take the best player. And those are what I call luxury picks. They're they're that pick that you're taking the best player available, whether you need them or not, just making that position deeper because the rest of your team can still win without taking just the best player available at a position of need. And we aren't there yet. Obviously, we have desperate needs, so it. I think it will end up being that team at some point, probably like. You know, two or three years from now, where we just take the best player available, best playmaker, and then let the guys fight it out. So we've always got the best team that we could possibly have on the field each year. Right now, we have to fix the reasons that we missed the playoffs for more than just you know effort. You know, we got to be able to play some defense in this league, and we can't play defense because our whole back end is just—it's a leaking sieve. And the receivers, obviously. Matthews has really stepped up and turned out to be a good receiver for us. You still need some help for him. You need some difference makers. I'm not going to say just you have to have a number one receiver because Matthews looked like a number one receiver this year. But if he's doing it on his own, then next year you're just going to see you know the other team just deny you Matthews like they deny you Walker, and then what are you going to do? So you know, we need some impact players in several different positions on the team this year or next year. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said there, Glenn. Um, next question here, Mallory Walsh sends us one in, and she says, we're through most of bowl season now in college football. Has any player jumped out to you that you could see the Titans targeting? Honestly, I don't put just a ton of time into watching college football for professional uh, purposes. I, I kind of, when it comes to evaluating college football players for me, it's at the end of the season – kind of get a ranking idea on where people are, have an idea of who I want to look at before the combine. Uh, that way I, I know you know the, the tape on certain guys where I just want to see what their numbers are to see if they're actually as fast as they look like on the field or if it's an instinct thing or what. So my, my pl- college player evaluation starts pretty much once the playoffs for the NFL are over because it's such a long time before the draft. I don't put just a ton of work into it. I watch the uh, – the college football playoffs i watch the bowl games i watch the nfl playoffs and then i start worrying about the college guys that are coming into the league next year so i don't have any one guy this year in the past i've had a guy here there like we need that guy we need that guy you know maybe a mike williams there's a, a couple of linebackers like like we've said there's a bunch of different cornerbacks but i haven't put enough time into any guy that for someone to just jump out at me as a we must go get that guy other than like i said maybe a mike williams Right. There, I mean, there's a few guys uh, that I've seen, and I pretty much agree with you. I, I normally wait and see, because a lot of these guys, uh, you really don't know if they're coming out or not. You know, injuries and bowl games, obviously, especially in recent years, have played a, a big 
part and where a guy goes. Stuff like that, where you just really don't know exactly what you're going to get, and it's best to wait. But there's one guy that I knew of him, but he really wasn't on my radar until I saw him play. Uh, unfortunately, saw him have a really good game against my favorite college team, and uh, definitely helped his team to a victory over uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, and that was David Najuku, the tight end from Miami. Uh, kid's 6'4", 245 pounds. Uh, he had about almost 700 yards receiving this year, eight touchdowns. And that 16.2 average yardage per catch, which is just phenomenal for a tight end. He is a kid that hasn't declared yet. Uh, I think you will see him declare uh, but we haven't, don't know for sure if he's actually going to de- declare for the draft or not. But if he does, I think it's a guy that's not going to be at the top of this tight end group. Because I think this is a talented tight end group. I think it's deceptively talented from what I've seen so far of these guys. And I have started watching tape a little bit on some players that, that have popped up. But uh, this seems to me like it's going to be um, not a top-heavy tight end group. But there's a lot of guys that are going to go middle round that I think could be t- good tight ends in the NFL and that have a lot of promise. This is one kid that's right there. Najuku's just – he has that like Derrick Henry kind of a thing where he all, every time he gets hit, he falls forward for three, four, five yards. Uh, he broke a lot of tackles in that game that I watched him. And I went back and watched a little bit of his tape against other teams. And he gets open really well. You know, He's not a great blocker, uh, but he's not asked to block a lot. And I think that that is something, with his size, obviously, I think he, he could have the ability to be a, a fantastic blocker. And I think getting him in and letting him learn you know, from some guys at the NFL could really improve that aspect of his game. Uh, I think I like the kid a lot from what I've seen so far. Uh, like I said, I have a lot more research to do. But there's one guy that really jumped out to me that I could see you know, middle rounds uh, and he could be a great pick, and we all know, you know, how good Miami, how good of a reputation Miami has had for producing great tight ends. Yeah, the tight end I was looking at was Jake Butt, and I didn't really have any expectation that we'd, ha- you know, have a reasonable shot at drafting him until he got hurt. Now that he's been injured, there's a chance that he falls far enough that we pick him up later on and just give him a year to, you know, recover and rest, and then he's ready to go for Delaney. Uh, you know, he, he's the tight end I was kind of watching, but didn't have any real expectation of possibly being able to draft because I figured he'd go before we ever got a shot, you know, at taking a tight end. You know, so if, if he were to drop, I'd be interested in that. I haven't watched your guy very much. Um, I actually did see that one game, but beyond that, I haven't seen enough of him to know if it was just a outlier performance or if he's actually that guy, you know, so we'll see. It, it's a long off season. We'll have plenty of time to nitpick on players. Right. Um, there's another guy that, uh, popped up for me, O.J. Howard. I think he's going to go too early for us to get him I'm from Alabama. But another tight end that has definitely caught my eye this uh, season so far. And, and I'm looking forward to watching tape on all of them because it obviously not the most pressing thing for us, but definitely a position of need as Delaney Walker gets older is a, another guy that we can bring in and, and you know, can be the future uh, of our uh, tight end core, obviously. so I would say it is a position of need because Delaney Walker is the only tight end of any value that we have. Well, just not desperate need yet. It's not up not, there not with cornerback. But, yeah, we definitely need to to make a move here soon. Get a guy in here that has time to learn under Delaney Walker. But, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of guys, a lot of good tight ends. So I'm looking forward to, to getting a watch on all these guys and see. But if you haven't seen Najuku, I recommend checking him out. He's 
if you're a guy that gets real big into the draft like me and Glenn are, uh, when you have the time, check him out. He's put up some pretty fantastic highlights. Uh, but we'll get into the last question here in the mailbag from Sonny Ali. Great boxing name, by the way. But he asks, Taylor Lewan walked off the field without shaking hands with the Texans players. What is your opinion of this move? I don't care about shaking hands with the opposing team. That was never a big deal to me. At the, at the end of a game, I've spent the last 60 minutes trying to beat the shit out of you. If you don't want to shake my hand, that's fine. Um, it doesn't matter to me. I don't want to shake your hand. Whether we won or lost, it doesn't matter. His, his reasoning behind it you know, being that the Titans aren't in the playoffs and they feel like they should have that spot, that's a lip-dick answer to me because they had their chance to be in the playoffs. They could have been in the playoffs. They just didn't earn it. Um, they, they chose not to show up ready to play against the Jaguars. So if his only complaint against the Texans is that they're going to the playoffs and the Titans aren't, well, look in the damn mirror, man. Other than that, I don't care. Yeah, I agree with you here. You know, it's we saw a game earlier this season where we had what looked like the game in hand until Taylor Lewan pulls off a very stupid penalty. And, you know, I talked about it earlier. And obviously that you can't blame that uh, as the reason we don't make it into the playoffs because, you know, obviously we had a shot and played a bad Jaguars team and shit the bed. And there's plenty of other opportunities we had throughout the season. But plays like that, you know, definitely had an adverse effect on our season. And, you know, if if that's your reasoning behind, and I really don't care if you want to shake hands or not with the, the opposing team after, I couldn't care less. I wouldn't really care, worry about your performance on the field, staying out of trouble off the field. If you do those two things, I don't really care what you do. Uh, as a, in a you know a player for my team, but this is as you said, limp dick move. You're the reason. That, you know this team, not Taylor Wan himself, but this team is the reason that we're not in the playoffs. It's nobody else's fault. Uh, I'm really proud of our boys. I'm glad that we had as good of a season that we did. You know we tripled our wins from last year. We almost doubled our wins from the last two years combined in one season. Uh, so obviously a giant step forward. We talked about it last week, but the reason we're not in the playoffs is not because, you know, the Texans somehow screwed us or the, you know, the Texans somehow cheated us out of a spot. It's because we didn't show up and we didn't play when we had to. And that's the reason we're not playing in the playoffs. And I agree with him. I think we are the better football team. I think that it, I think it's kind of obvious to me that we're the better football team uh, and the best football team in this division. And I think we'll show it next year, but we didn't show it this year. And, you know, that's, that's what they always say. Is sometimes the best team doesn't win, and I firmly believe that. Sometimes, you know, the, the team that should have won just doesn't show up. That's exactly what happened in that Jaguars game, and that's exactly why we're not in the playoffs. But that's all we have for the mailbag. Thanks, everybody, for sending in your questions. Uh, I like always every week. We put a post up on Two-Tone Uncensored, our Facebook page, uh, at Two-Tone Podcast on Facebook. And, you know, you can go on there and comment your questions. Uh, and you can also find it on Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook group that you can join uh, that Matt's actually the the founder of. If you go on there, we always put the comments in there too, or post in there too, that you can go in and, and comment your questions. And we're glad to everybody that sends them in. Uh, but let's move on to the news here. In the news this week, obviously, Kendall Wright has made himself a big part of the Titans news commented on his Instagram account, uh, and this is, I'm going to read it verbatim right here. Uh, This is his words. I want to thank all the Titans fans for a great five years of memories. I had fun, ups and downs. Thank everybody 
for being great and being behind us. Wish I could have played for y'all one last time, but I couldn't and just want to thank God for letting me finish healthy. Hashtag tighten up. And then, um, more to add on to that, uh, we saw a picture today pop up on Facebook where his locker has already been cleaned out and most of the players, the vast majority of the players' lockers still have their stuff in it and his is completely clean, cleaned out. This is obvious evidence that backs up the claim we've been making all season, Glenn, that in, he's leaving in free agency. Uh, not really surprising at all, but definitely newsworthy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all about, like we were saying before, he wants an opportunity to be a more consistent uh, player as far as involved. He, he doesn't play a lot for us because we don't run a lot of three-receiver sets, and when we do, he's not always the third receiver. We've been throwing Harry Douglas out there a lot more in the last few weeks. So, obviously, he's not a big-time factor in our passing game going forward. He's aware of this. He believes in himself, which you know, all great athletes do and should. So he's going to go try to find himself an opportunity somewhere else. It may not be for that big contract like we were talking about. I, I think he's making the best move for him because if he stays with this team, he's never going to be a star. He's probably never going to see 1,000 yards again. He's not going to be heavily involved unless just a whole bunch of people get hurt. And we're all expecting in the draft or bring in a free agent to make him even less relevant in our passing game. So it, I think it's the right move for him. I'm glad he's you know put a classy statement after like that, thanking everybody. But, yeah, most guys don't have to clean out their locker till about midpoint this week. They do postseason interviews. They, they, they all get it, do an uh, interview with the coaching staff or with the uh, GM on their way out to do the exit interviews. He obviously cleaned out his locker before they got to that point because there's no way they already did it. You know, it's just Monday. So th- there's no way they've already done that interview yet. So he just got his crap out of there because he knows he's not coming back. And it very well may be that he had that conversation with them weeks ago. And he just he already knew he was gone and done. So, all right, more power to him. Good luck. You know, th- thanks for the uh, the hard play most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not surprising. Uh, we all saw this coming. And... Yeah, I wish him the best of luck. Kendall Wright gave us some, definitely gave us some good plays uh, in a good few years when he was healthy for us. And and I, you know, I always wish the guys that played for us most of the time, I'll say at least, the best of luck when they move on. Uh, every time that they're not playing against Tennessee, I hope it goes well for them. This was not surprising. A guy that has had questionable work ethic, uh, has injury concerns. It seems like every year. So definitely something that doesn't shock me at all. But. Well, I mean, I'm not really sad to see him go. I won't say that. Just, you know, I wish him the best of luck. I guess that's it. <laughs> uh, and I hope we can improve in that position, definitely in the off season. This is along the same lines, this next news story, Glenn, as what we were talking about with Taylor Lewan in the uh, mailbag. Jarrell Casey said in an interview after the game that he is very pissed and that the Titans didn't make the playoffs and that they are the best team in the South. And he's right. They are. We all saw it. We all had every reason to believe that they were going to the playoffs because they should have. They didn't. I'm glad he's pissed off. If he was okay with it or just saying, yeah, we'll get him next year, I would be very pissed at him. I've tweeted at him and uh, Avery Williamson about this quite a bit, actually, <laughs> about um, you know, <laughs> next next year we sell out, next year we dominate. It's it's a line from the uh, the program at the beginning of the movie. I I feel like it's very applicable to where we are now. Next year, we've got to get another you know, a playmaker on offense, someone who, when they touch the ball, they're going to score. Our defense has got to step up and pitch some shutouts. 
And next year we got to sell out. I want to see every guy on that field given everything he's got because the proof happened this year. They, they saw that they can be a playoff team and they should be a playoff team. They, they saw that the philosophy works, that we can be a smash-mouth team. We can bully other teams. We just need a couple more pieces so that we can be the best team. And so next year, show up, sell out, do everything you can in the offseason, do everything you can in preseason, get everybody else on the same page, and then go out there and dominate and kick ass. I'm, I'm fine with him being pissed off. If he was being a bitch about it to the, uh, the Texans, that would bother me because – that's not they're, – they're not the problem. It's not their fault that we choked. So him being pissed off, good. Now do something with it make something happen. Right. Uh, you know, I agree. And it, it is the same thing with Taylor Lewan. It's like you should have showed up – and not that Casey didn't. You know, Casey seems like he shows up every single play. But the team should have showed up when they needed to. But I am glad. And it's the same thing with Taylor Lewan. I am glad that they're pissed. Uh, you know, that's the response you should have. After the season that we had, we had a clear shot to get in, and we weren't able to close out. So you should be pissed. I want that fire, and I want, it, I want to see it on the field next year when we come out and hopefully have a better roster, have a better team, and, you know, keep moving forward as we progress to getting really back to relevance in the NFL. I think we opened up a lot of eyes this season, a lot of different teams, and, like, next year I hope we continue that trend, obviously. So I'm Glad that he's pissed off for the same reason you said. Is you need that fire and that intensity, and that's what we want to see on the next next year. I just hope that these players remember how pissed off they were this year um, at the start of next year. Yeah, after the Jags game, Malarkey said, now we've got to learn how to play when we win, too, because the, the team has been struggling and learning how to win. Now they have to learn how to deal with success and still stay motivated and still have that fire because they did it against the Jaguars. It showed up. They're all pissed off about it. Learn from it. Take this into the next season. Use this. Feed from this. And hopefully uh, we're definitely in the playoffs next year. We have every reason to expect that we should be. Absolutely. And that, real quick, I'll mention our poll question this week is, you know, we won nine. We went nine and seven this season. Uh, what do you think we're going to do next year? And so that's up there for everybody. I wanna, I'm interested to see what all the fans out there think. Uh, about where this team's going to be at next year, because I think obviously we should. We have no excuse for not being um, winning this division and and being the top team in this division. Undefeated. Uh, undefeated. You heard it. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, no, but I think we're going to be a hell of a football team next year. But moving on to the next topic, uh, because it's the end of the season, we now officially know exactly who we're going to play at home and away. Uh, of course, the schedule's not set, so we don't know when we play these teams, but we do know who we play. And uh, I'm not going to mention the divisional teams because we all know that we're going to play those teams. Uh, but outside of our division, we play Baltimore, Cincinnati, Los Angeles, Seattle, and Oakland at home. Uh, in away games, we play Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Arizona, San Francisco, and Miami. So... You know, kind of a balance of good and bad here. I think we're going to end up probably close to the middle of strength of schedule. Yeah, that's about right. It could be a much tougher schedule than it turned out to be. We'll see what all these teams look like next year. Everybody's going to change. Everybody's going to get a little bit better or a little bit worse. Uh, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I like the schedule. I like the way it breaks down because there should be some pretty good matchups in there. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to, you know, Pittsburgh, I grew up in an area where Pittsburgh was probably the main team 
or definitely the main team rooted for, and so I've always had a hatred for them. And back when the Tennessee Titans were in the AFC Central, you know, we had some really great matchups uh, with Pittsburgh. And then you go back even further till the 70s when, you know, it seemed like every year they were beating us in the AFC Championship game. So it's a rivalry that we don't, you know, not even really considered a rivalry anymore, but definitely is in my heart. And I love playing them, especially get the chance to beat them in Pittsburgh. Always fun. Uh, and then uh, the rest of the AFC North, obviously Cleveland, I don't think is going to be that much better next year. Baltimore and Cincinnati are good teams that, you know, kind of had middle of the road seasons. Uh, you know, there's, it's everything comes like, there's a good team here, but, you know, you look at, we play the NFC West and you have Seattle, who's, a, you know, a good team, good football team. Then you have Arizona that, was a good team, and it's kind of an enigma now. They're kind of a quarterback away from being great again because they have all the pieces there. And then you have L.A., who is back and forth bad, but you know they have the talented defense. And then San Francisco, who is kind of in the same boat as Cleveland. So there's definitely a healthy blend of good and bad teams on this uh, schedule for us coming up next year, but definitely a lot of beatable teams. There's only... You look at Seattle and Pittsburgh are the only teams that really stick out as like, oh, shit, they're tough. Like, that's definitely going to be, without a shadow of a doubt, a tough football game. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to them. Um, It wasn't that long ago that we were tearing up terrible towels on the sidelines. It's not been that long ago. People still remember that game. I, I grew up loving the Oilers and the Steelers battles going back and forth, hating the Steelers, loving, you know, the, the, the competition. So I'm really looking forward to that game. That's that's one of those games. Is, is depending on when we play them of the year, is going to be a, as a benchmark for where we where we are, where we've gone. And Seattle is one of those teams that's I'm not really sure what they're going to look like next year, just because they seem to be in flux right now. There's a lot of things I think are getting ready to change with their contracts. So Seattle may end up being not the team that we expect them to be next year, or they could be even better. Uh, it, I really like that mix of teams though, because there's games in there that we should definitely win that we have the reason to believe we're going to win now because our formula works against that type, type of team. And then you've got teams like the Steelers. You know They're going to really prove to us whether or not our secondary is improved because when Big Ben comes to town with Brown and they start throwing that ball down the field, if we haven't found some cornerbacks by then, that's going to be ugly. So I'm really curious to see that game. Absolutely. You made some great points there. Let's move on to the last piece of news that we have. Obviously, today being Black Monday, you know, the most hated day in the NFL for coaches. Saw a lot of guys lose their job. Um, We'll start off here with Rex Ryan in Buffalo. We saw Chip Kelly in San Francisco. We saw Mike McCoy in San Diego. Obviously, earlier this season, Gus Bradley uh, with the Jaguars and Jeff Fisher with the Rams, both losing their jobs. And one person that wasn't fired but retired um, with health concerns was Gary Kubiak with Denver. A healthy group this year. Seems like a lot of guys ended up losing their job this year. Any of these really stick out to you? And, and as for coaches coming in, is there any guys that really stick out to you as, as c- potential candidates for these teams? Well, for me, uh, Chip Kelly getting fired. Not because I want anything to do with Chip Kelly, but because I know that we're about to get just inundated with Chip Kelly fans, people wanting him to come here, people wanting to fire Malarkey still, and thinking that he's gonna he could come in here and turn us into the old run and shoot team with Marcus, and the team would just take off, or want him to come in here and replace Robisky, and you know 
he's a guy who knows how Marcus wants to play. Even though we saw what happened when DeMarco Murray hooked up with Kelly, you know, I, Chip Kelly getting fired just kind of gives me an ulcer <laughs> because I don't want anything to do with Chip <laughs> Kelly. Uh, Gus, you know, he had to go. I've never thought Rex Ryan was a good head coach. He he, he talks a lot, just like his dad. He, he he can go. I don't think he deserved to be the head coach of Buffalo after the Jets debacle that he had. He can put a team together that wins, but he needs that team to be talented, and he needs somebody else to help him out. Uh, it's just his attitude, the way he goes about the business of football. It obviously it grates on owners. I think he's going to have to accept being a defensive coordinator somewhere because when he's just a defensive coordinator, he's proven to be a pretty decent one. But his defenses these last few years haven't been that good despite having him as their head coach. So maybe he goes back to being a defensive coordinator. As for his brother, uh, I haven't seen that he's even a good defensive coordinator. So maybe it's time for him to just go away. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, I think Rex Ryan, that's the move for him here, man. Take a defensive coordinating spot, uh, you know, and maybe later on you can prove your worth to come back as a head coach somewhere. But, you know, I just, I really don't like Rex Ryan as a head coach. You look how weak his offenses always end up being. I mean, he, he had, with the Jet, or with the Jets, that offense was terrible. It was so bad. And then he gets, you know, with Mark Sanchez, they had, they did have years where they went to the AFC Championship game, but they were not a good offense then. You know, it was a bad offense that was able to do enough to let their defense win them football games. And then you look at what we had with, you know, Tyrod Taylor up there in Buffalo. It's just, it's not pretty. And his defense has, it hasn't been impressive this year for sure. But I, I think if he goes back there, especially if he can get with a guy that's a, a head coach with a great uh, head for offensive football, you know, he could have one hell of a, a run as a defensive coordinator in that kind of system. None of these really, like you said, none of them really surprised me. I'll quick comment on the Chip Kelly thing. If you want to see Mike Malarkey get fired uh, in favor of Chip Kelly, then then you are the crackheads that we've been talking about. Uh, none of them really surprised me. I'd say the most surprising is Mike McCoy, and it's still not surprising. I just think that he inherited a bad team, and he hasn't. He wasn't given enough leeway to be able to what he do whatever he was wanted to do. I heard a lot of stories about him not getting the draft picks that he wanted. And I, I mean, after a while, there's only so much you can do as a head coach. There's only so much you can polish a turd. You know, you have to have be able to get a, a good team around you a lot of that goes with the general manager not the the head coach especially in a situation where you give you have no say as a head coach and it seems like McCoy was in that situation but it's still not surprising because that team has you know a stout front seven on defense we saw this year uh, the addition of Bosa this year um, Philip Rivers still shows every year that he is a fantastic quarterback I really feel bad for Philip Rivers because you could definitely make the argument, not saying he is, but you could definitely make the argument that he was the best quarterback to come out of his draft class. And he just was, he's been on bad teams. And you look at, you know, Big Ben and, and Eli Manning both sitting over there with Super Bowl rings. Uh, but, you know, they had good defenses. Both of them had good defenses. And, and, you know, Philip Rivers never had that chance. I feel bad for Philip Rivers. I always think about that. That, not saying he is the best, but he you could definitely make the argument that he's the best in that draft class. He just never gets the chance to be on a good team. But 
anyway, it's none of them are really that surprising to me. Uh, as for some guys out there, you know, Josh McDaniels is going to keep coming to mind until he moves out of New England. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Sean Payton, possibly a trade with the Rams for Sean Payton. Although today Sean Payton came out and said that those rumors were silly. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But it seems like Sean Payton's name comes up every single offseason in the last two, three years. Uh, and there's always the guys that come out that, you know, Gruden, every year Gruden's the big name. And he's already said that he's happy with what he's doing and he doesn't want to leave ESPN. And so, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. There's a lot of guys out there that could make good head coaches. You know, I think Todd Phillips for Pittsburgh could make a hell of a head coach. I know that he's been targeted a lot in the past couple of years. Uh, so there's a lot of guys out there. Uh, as for where they'll end up, I mean, it's anybody's guess right now. Yeah, the guy for me, like you said, was Mike McCoy. I felt like he got kind of a bad shake on that. He had, like, what, 17 players going into reserve this year? Who the yeah. hell could win with 17 players off of your opening day roster? That's ridiculous. You know, so I, I felt like he got screwed. And the the GM rumors that we, we've always heard where he hasn't gotten along with them, they don't put the players that he wants on the field. They just take the players that are going to, bring people to the stadium and that's part of just the culture there is that they they want to make money they're not worried about winning championships he's a guy that i can see taking one of these vacancies and doing pretty well for himself yeah as far as the next batch of coaches that come up i generally don't put too much work into that because there's, uh, there's always is that guy who's the sexy name that ends up not leaving uh or the guy that everybody wants but then he goes to that team and he's just terrible uh, hugh jackson in cleveland that team is god awful bad. Hugh Jackson's a good coach, you know. So the fact that they're going to give him another year is a good thing. At least I think they're going to give him another year. I don't see why you wouldn't because he is a good coach. But he went to just a terrible team. It, it takes more than just a good coach. You've got to do something with it. Um, if he had a GM that was as good as John Robinson, because you saw the difference John Robinson made this year, you know, he got a coach in. Doesn't have to be a great coach, and Malarkey's proving to be a pretty darn good coach, but. You get a coach in, you give him what he says he needs. That's your that's the GM's job is to give the coach the players that he says he needs to do what he wants to do. And if you get a GM that's on board with the coach and it doesn't work, fine. Then fire the coach. But the GM's job should be to say, okay, coach, what do you need for this team to be successful? Okay, I'm going to get you those guys. This is what I'm going to do to make it happen for you. When the GM says, this guy's going to sell tickets or I like this guy, or this guy w did really well in the combine, uh, Rustin Webster. You know, you end <laughs> up with players that just don't fit what you're doing as a team, and you have a bunch of guys that don't mesh together, that don't, they don't think the same way, or they don't work best in the same system. So that, that's what happened to Mike McCoy. I think he's going to have a shot somewhere else. He's the only one of those guys that I'd be really interested in seeing go somewhere else and uh, having a decent shot at succeeding. And you know, at the end of the day, coaches get fired every year. You know, it just, there's a bunch of guys out there that you keep recycling the same coaches, expecting different results. Eventually, you've got to have a GM and a coach get on the same page, and that's when a team can succeed. That's what happened in New England. You know, that's what happens in you know, places like Pittsburgh, where they have a system, so they bring up a coach who fits what their GM is doing. If the front office and the coaching staff are on the same page, anything can happen for a team any year really fast. It doesn't always happen because you end up with teams like Jacksonville. Front office gave the coaches everything they asked for. 
coaches couldn't get anything out of that team except for just one week when the players decided they want to learn how to play football. You know, it doesn't always work, but it, I've never seen it work in a team go to a championship without that being the case. Right, and you look at what we're setting with our general manager. I mean, really, with a general manager like John Robinson, as smart as he is, as well as he knows the game, you really need to get a, a guy in that can get the players to react then. It becomes the most important thing. And, I mean, even if you don't like Mike Malarkey, you have to admit that that's exactly what he's done, is he's gotten these players to react. They come out, and it was a completely different team. We hit people in the mouth. We were very physical. Our offensive line... It still surprises me, and I know that we've had the whole season watching them, but come on. Like, last year's offensive line was one of, if not the worst in the entire NFL. I believe we gave up the most sacks. And then you have uh, this team that regularly gets rated as the top offensive line in each and every week. You have two of the top-rated tackles in all of the NFL were the two tackles you know that we have here two young guys too you know a rookie and a guy that's been in the in the NFL for a few years and it's just it's a huge turnaround and a lot of it has to do with getting good players in getting guys like DeMarco Murray which was a great move by John Robinson but it also has to do with getting players to react to a coach who can motivate and that's all you know Mike Malarkey and in as just said I was not a fan of his when uh, we kept him in you know, made him took him from interim to full time head coach. I wasn't a fan of the move at first, but he's completely changed my mind, and I'm really, you know, proud to say that he's my head coach. He's done a fantastic job this season. That's all we have for the first half of the show. We're gonna go into a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking about this Texans game uh, that we're coming off of here, and we'll be looking forward to the first week of playoffs. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etch of Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of 2TONE Uncensored. Tighten up. Hey 
Hey, Titans fans, do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a rack code didn't get six sacks this week? Have you ever wondered why our defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end? If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Lossneiser from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast posts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning. It's on our Two-Tone Uncensored podbean.com page and links from the Two-Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it's posted. It's a real quick read and even has pictures for the kids. For the kids! You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, we're back from that quick commercial break. So, Glenn, let's talk about this Texans game. This game, obviously, it's meaningless, but it did end a five-game winning streak that the Texans had over us. This is the first time we've beat Houston since December of 2013. So about three years since we've gotten to be, since we've gotten a win over this team. So it definitely still feels good. Yeah, no, I mean, it's never bad to win. Uh, I know there were people who wanted to lose for draft picks and stuff like that, but you always want to beat your rivals. You always want to beat the best team in your division and prove that you're better. Uh, we are better than the Texans, so we should have beat them. We should have beat them the first time around. We did a slightly better job of dealing with Fedoritz at uh, tight end this this time than we did last time. Uh, we, we always we came out with more fire. We did what we set out to do, which the Titans said they wanted to go out there and send the Texans into the playoffs bruised. They did that. Uh, Savage going out, you know, with a concussion. Osweiler coming in and playing okay, but the Texans are going into a playoff game having just played the Titans and the Titans. You know, roughed him up and beat him around a little bit. That's that. That's a good feeling. It's a good way to end the season. Absolutely, I was impressed with the way the defense played uh, in this game. Four sacks, eight tackles for a loss, six QB hits, seven passes defended. DeQuan Jones obviously having the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Um, they held Tom Savage and Brock Osweiler to a combined fifty-four percent completion uh, percentage. Uh, so, you know, very good, like you said, came out, smashed him around, beat him up a little bit. Uh, and we did a good job of that. The defense played well. As you said, you know, we were slowed down for Dorwitz for sure. Uh, we had a, a good game on the defensive side of the ball. And I know that they're not a strong offensive team. And Lamar Miller was out, so that makes him even that much weaker. But, you know, still coming out there and playing hard in that last game. I liked the way that they did that. And, you know, we talked about it on the last show. We wanted to come out and see them beat this Texans team and, you know, show some pride in, in the team and the city that they represent and the state that they represent. Uh, and that's what, exactly what the Tennessee Titans did this week. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, some quick notes I wanted to point out is uh, Rashad Matthews. Just week in and week out, this guy's just been having good games. He caught 76% of the yards through the air in this game. In fact, if him and Walker were the only players in this game to have more than one target, uh, both Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray each had one for a combined one yard. 
Uh, you know, so it was all Matthews and then a little bit of Walker in this game, and nobody else caught a, even got a target. Just kind of staggering. But, I mean, he just every week comes out, gets open, makes plays. Uh, I really like this kid. I'm glad that we picked him up because he's been a big difference maker for our team. Yeah, I, definitely. The, the team made a lot of really good moves this year. Don Robinson made a lot of really good moves. Put us in a p- good position to build this year. And next year we should be just that much better. The beat, Beating the Texans, e- even the depleted Texans, which, like you said, Lamar Miller wasn't out there, so we weren't getting their best shot. I don't care. I'm just glad we beat them. Uh, every game you win is a building block for the next season. And you know they, they came out. They had to win a game just to get that taste of that last game out of their uh, out of their mouths. Like I said, you know, last week I wanted us to go out there and just play all the young guys and let the veterans sit on the bench and think about what they've done. We didn't do that. We went out there and won the game with the veterans, and yeah, that's great. I feel I feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Derrick Henry was one guy I wanted to talk about. He, you know, young guy that got to see a lot. Uh, not a lot, but good, great playing time this week. 65 yards and a touchdown on a 4.3 average. It's a good game. You know, anytime you're north of that four uh, yards per gain line, you, it's always a good game. That's a good place to be, and, and Derrick Henry had a good game in this. Matt Castle played like Matt Castle. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. just over 61% completion, 150 yards, one touchdown, one interception. It just... It really seems like every drive you're getting a different player. Like we always talk about like Eli Manning, you know, sometimes you get like, holy shit, that's Eli Manning. And sometimes you get like, how in the fuck was this guy picked in the first round? Like, you know, for that early in the draft, like, you know, it, but it seems like Matt Castle's like that every other drive, not every other game. We saw that one drive to get the touchdown at the end of the first half where pretty much all we did was, you know, Matthews, 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 touchdown. Uh, but he looked good on that drive. You know, the penalty set us back to a long third down, and, and he converted, and, you know, he moved down the field. He had a good, you know, pitch and catches, kept going to Matthews, kept getting them, and then, you know, comes back in the second half, throws an interception. It's just, uh, I don't know. I was glad that we brought Matt Castle in at the beginning of the season. We talked about it. It was definitely an improvement, and still is an improvement over Mettenberger, uh, but I think, you know, it might be, time we talked about it last week with castle this was really like a him chance to play really for his job and i just think that there's cheaper options out there that can get us better than what we're getting with matt castle yeah you can spend the same money and get another average guy uh you know so it's not a big deal <laughs> uh pro- probably tanny's still on the team next year unless they come up with you know someone surprising he's probably going to be our backup guy next year I was okay with Castle. Castle gave us what I expected him to give, which not a lot. I expect him to be able to go on drives because we've seen him do it at other teams. So I expect him to be able to drive and do well. Uh, him and Matthews hooking up was a good good sign. Should probably have done more of that and less of uh, just standing back there and looking confused sometimes. But, <laughs> I mean, Henry had a good game. I thought he should have had all the carries. It looked to me like, Murray wasn't really feeling it. Then him coming out and saying that he's been playing with an injury. Why were we even playing him in this game with an injury? Uh, why did he play so much in the second half last week with his injury? Uh, just yeah, when the season's over and your veterans got an injury of any type, 
sit him down, let your badass rookie have some carries, and just get him out of the way. That that was one of those things where those those are the bones I pick with the coaches. Letting DeMarco Murray call his shot, I get it. You know, during we discussed it earlier in the season that with DeMarco Murray wants to play, you let him play. In this game, you take the best option for him and the team. You set him down, let him rest, and let the young guys get some carries. And you let Antonio Andrews have, hopefully, the last few carries as a Titan. Uh, I, I like Antonio Andrews' personality. I love how hard he hits people on special teams. He's not my third back. So I, I'd be just fine with us replacing him with somebody with a little bit more lightning in their feet uh, in this offseason. Just... just as another change, as an actual change of pace guy, having hammer, hammer, hammer is great as long as you know that that's working, which it did this year. I would like to see Derrick Henry have someone behind him who's got some lightning, some speed. So I would think they should have played those guys this game instead of leaving the veterans out there. I wasn't saying this uh, last week as far as bringing in Tanny. I would have liked to have seen Tanny start playing a little bit later on in the game. Uh, just what, what's it look like we had it pretty much in hand? I know we only won by seven, but I would like to see Tandy play a little bit this week just to have him on the field and see what he could do after having just been hanging out on the uh, bench for most of the season. Yeah, you brought some great points here. That I thought we were going to see a lot more of Derrick Henry, especially uh, because that was the next thing I was going to bring up is this DeMarco Murray injury. And, and you wonder how much of it's like you know just keeping DeMarco happy which obviously you want to do, you know, as good as he was for our team, and we'd love to have him around really for the rest of his career now. Um, we know how good of a player he is, and him being a great mentor to our future, which is Derrick Henry. Uh, but, you know, why play a guy like this and risk a, a much worse injury? It's just, to me, it seems like, you know, Derrick Henry was really pushed and was like, I'm playing, like, let me play, I am want to play, and and they just really wanted to keep him happy. Uh, that, or, or maybe they didn't know the full extent of the injury, which I find that hard to believe. That's why I didn't lead with that one. But it just, I don't know. It, it made it gave, brought up some questions for me. I didn't like that call at all. I agree with you there. With I'm okay if Tanny ends up being the backup next year. You're really not getting that much of a downgrade. Plus, Matt Castle is as good as Matt Castle is going to get. At this point in his career, at the age that he is, it's not like Matt Castle's going to get better. Tanny's a young kid that's still growing every day, you know, still uh, getting better and better. And I would be okay with that. I'd be okay with us bringing someone in. I just think I'm not nothing against Matt Castle, and you like said it. He was a he was a little bit worse than I thought he was going to be, um, but not by much. But just a little bit worse than I thought he was going to be. Um, and, and I think that you can get someone else cheaper that is just going to be just as good, if not better. So. I'm okay with seeing him go. Uh, and as for um, oh shit, what was the other thing you talked about? <laughs> uh, I think it was it. Murray and uh, Castle primarily, just not playing the young guys enough. Right. Yeah, I would like to see more of the young guys get more reps in this game, just to see what we had with a lot of these guys. Uh, we didn't see it, but you know, I, I trust. John Robinson and Mike Malarkey to evaluate this talent accordingly and, you know, to get the guys that we need to get in order, uh, you know, to move forward and keep the guys that we need to keep in order to, to move forward, be a better football team. But right, that's really it for this Texan game. It wasn't real pretty, you know, but a win's a win, especially over a hated division rival like uh, Houston. And unfortunately for us, and we're about to talk about this, they 
have a pretty easy matchup next week um, due to injuries. But let's jump right into this wild card weekend coming up here, Glenn. And we have a slate of four games. The first one coming up on Saturday is going to be that Oakland at Houston game. Uh, Houston favored by two and a half points. Obviously, Oakland will play this game without their starter, Derek Carr, with a, a broken tibula or no broken fibula. Um, and it'll be Matt McGloin, it looks like, will be the starter in this game, which obviously gives Houston an, uh, you know, an upside in this one. And who knew that the Houston would play Oakland and Houston would have the better quarterback matchup? Yeah, that's not something they could have possibly seen coming. And I feel bad for Oakland as much as I can bring myself to care about Oakland just because they got screwed. Uh, their, their, their quarterback getting his leg broken. They're going to get ready to play a Texas team that they should be able to kick the crap out of, and I can't see them winning this game now. Uh, Matt McGlowan is not enough. Uh, Lamar Miller will be rested. The Texans will come out, and there will be a different team next week. Uh, the, the fact that they have a better quarterback all of a sudden than the Raiders, and that the Raiders should have been able to dominate this game, is it's really shitty for them. Yeah, you take Oakland in a landslide in this game if Derek Carr is healthy, but you know, without Derek Carr, this is an offense that has to win in spite of their defense. I know that Oakland pass rush is pretty stacked. You know, with Bruce Irvin, you have Cleo Mack back there. And, you know, two studs uh, at pass rushing, um, but you know, their secondary is still a liability at this point, and they're going to give up a lot of yards and, and some points. And then now you have to do that and keep up with that with Matt McGloin. Who you know? I'm sure he's a nice kid, stuff, but I, I have no faith in him uh, to be able to win this game and and carrying on in the playoffs. Even if they do win this game, it's just one more week before an ass kicking. Before that, to play a team that you know is really good and really talented and deserves to be in the postseason. Uh, Houston's going to get away with an easy win here, I think. And then next week they'll have to go in and play a tough football team and get their ass kicked, which that'll be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, but, no matter who wins, they're losing next week anyway. So eh. absolutely. <laughs> Or probably. I mean, realistically, they should lose the next week. But oh, I'm putting it, just it on the definitely territory. <laughs> I, will, I won't ever make anything definite because the Texans have managed to get here mostly by beating up our crappy division. Um, but the Raiders, you know, if they can get anything going on their offense, they have a shot just because they're, they're, they're a team that's capable of winning with Matt McLuhan if everything else works right. Uh, the Texans, I don't think they could beat anybody in this playoff round. Absolutely. Um, moving on to the next one here, the NFC matchup. Uh, the Detroit Lions are going to be in Seattle. Seattle be favored by a hefty 7.5 in this one. I think that's fair. Um, I'm not a huge fan of what the Seahawks have put on the field for the most part this year. They got off to a, kind of an ugly start. But if, if they can get any semblance of a running game going, their defense is good enough for them to win. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with Russell Wilson. So I think the Seahawks win this game. I think they run away with it from the Lions because we saw what happens you know, to the Lions in the playoffs. We, um, you know, The Packers, they beat the crap out of them. And that's just Aaron Rodgers going nuts. He did win me a championship this weekend, by the way. So you know, thank you, Aaron. Uh, he's my favorite fantasy quarterback for a reason because he always shows up at the end of the year. <clears throat> but I, I think the Seahawks just run right over the Lions. I don't think they have anything for him. I uh, I like this Lions team, I think, more than most. I think that they can do a lot with the football, and obviously um, 
you know, they have a, a good quarterback there, and, and but I don't know. It's going to be a lot to overcome. Um, I don't think they really that you know. Green Bay won that game by a touchdown, and they had to come back to do it over the the lines this week. They've played good. For me, it really comes down to Matt Stafford's finger and how healthy it is because we saw him this week play a good game. Not his best game for sure, but a good game. A uh, week before that, he really struggled, and it looked like it's, a lot of that was due to that finger. If it's healthy, if he can come back and that finger's not bothering him anymore, then I do think that the Seahawks are going to have their hands full. Um, and then the other side of the ball, if the Lions can, and you know we haven't really seen it from them this year, but if they find a way to slow down the running game, that's the end of the road for Seattle. Uh, but I don't know if they can do that or not. I think Seattle's going to win this game, but I think Seven and a half points is a way too high for me of a spread in this one. I think it's going to be a tight football game. Seattle just, even when they play bad teams, they don't blow out anybody. It seems like they just, you know, they barely beat everybody in these low-scoring, ugly games. It's been their their mo this season. I just don't see them blowing out a good Lions team. But it's going to be tough for the Lions to go into Seattle and win. I just have trouble saying good Lions team. Uh, I think Stafford is one of the most underrated quarterbacks as far as his ability. But I, I think your opinion is largely skewed by your girlfriend being a Lions fan. Nah, I mean, I'd like to see I like to see the Lions win because she's a Lions fan. Um, but now nah, I don't think it, it skews any way for them. Their defense is not good. Uh, they have a, 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 a decent secondary, but they don't get enough in the pass rush. They don't stop the run, which has been a big problem for them. So that's the only reason. If... They were able to stop the run. Anybody that can stop the run, I'm I'm going to take over Seattle because they just don't have enough outside of that to really impress me. If you stop, that's just too much of an explanation. Just stop. All it is is you want to get late. That's all it is. No, I don't. (laughs) Nah, she don't even listen enough to for it to matter about me getting late or not. But I don't blame her. We suck. Yeah, eh, too true. But uh, I think anybody can stop the run can stop Seattle. They really don't impress me that whole a whole lot. But I definitely think they get the win here. Um, moving on to Miami uh, versus Pittsburgh. This one, a 10-point spread in the Steelers' favor. What do you think about this matchup going into it, Glenn? That is way too big of a spread, but the Dolphins are not a 10-6 and team in my opinion. I don't know how they got the 10-6. and Um I think the Steelers win this game. I think they win it easily. That's a huge spread, though, for a playoff game. I agree. That is a, a very big spread. I hate going with big spreads for obvious reasons. You know, it's just, it just rarely works out for you. Although we saw the biggest spread of the season, what was it, last week when the the Jets played the Patriots, and the Patriots sure as fuck covered. So well, you never know. it's because it was the Jets and it was the <laughs> Patriots. Tom Brady's on a fucking mission. Right, that's true. Uh, but, yeah, this is not a 10-6 and six team. You said that well. This is a team, uh, you know, Titans fans remember, we beat them 30-17 to 17 in Miami. You know, this, like, this is a team that it really does blow my mind. And, and I know – there's rumors that you know Ryan Tannehill might be able to make it back. I don't know if that'll happen or not. But even if he does, I don't see this being a good game for them. I think the Steelers are going to be able to get this. And and I, as much as I hate that ten point spread, I think I would be a little tempted to take it here, just because I don't think that Miami is going to be able to keep up with the Steelers, especially now the Steelers really hitting their stride late in the season. Yeah, you go you go over before you go under in this matchup. 
Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that. Uh, and then the last one, which I think is a, a really interesting matchup here, is the Giants at Green Bay. Green Bay favored by four. Well, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers, so I'm always going to roll with him in the playoffs as far as the NFC goes. But, you know, I, I don't see how the Giants win this game, but I also can see them winning this game. Uh, there, there's no reason the Packers should be able to lose to the Giants. The Giants do weird stuff in the playoffs, though. They, they find ways to win that mystify me because I don't like Eli Manning. But his receivers have a tendency to just make big plays for him in the playoffs, so you can't ever count them out. Yeah, bail him out in the playoffs, man. David Tyree, who you know has played almost as much snaps as you have in the NFL, Glenn, <laughs> catches that against his face, and I was like, unbelievable. But the Giants are a really good team. They have a good football team. They're playing good defense this year, but I just I don't know if I can take them. And you know what? You brought it up. It's just that when the Giants look good and look really good, they lose in the first round of the playoffs. When the Giants look kind of shitty, they win a Super Bowl. So, so it's they're kind of in the middle right now where they had they they weren't quite shitty, but they weren't quite really good this year. So I'm not sure exactly what to expect from the Giants. I have a good buddy of mine who's a Giants fan that said we screwed up and won too many games this year to for us to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Which, yeah, they're, they're they went 11 and five somehow, and they're not that right. good. So that tells you you know their competition must have just blown it or something because. How, how are the Giants eleven and five? I feel like them like I do about the Dolphins being ten and six. I feel so like something worked Giants, out for them that shouldn't have. <laughs> I, f- I feel like more comfortable with eleven and five Giants than I do with ten and six Dolphins for sure. Easily, I think this is a good football team. But if they were playing, I think if they were playing any other team in the NFC, if they're playing the Lions or they're playing Seattle, I think I would take the Giants. I really do because of how well that they've teed off on the running game, how well that they've pass rush this season uh their secondary has really stepped up janoris jenkins having a career year and you know they're able to get it done with that really strong wide receiver core they have down there um or up there i guess i should say but against the packers right now who you know it's the same thing as the steelers this is a good team that kind of disappointed for the first half of the year and then come back strong at the end of the year and now just looks really really good um, I just I can't take a, right now. I'm not picking against Aaron Rodgers, especially with the Giants. He's just he's playing too good, and I'm going to take the yeah. Packers in this one. That's how it is for me too. I, I can never just go against Rodgers because that dude finds a way to win games. You know, if there was one quarterback in his league we were going to swap out, you know, Mariota for, it would be Aaron Rodgers, and it's obviously not going to happen. And I think uh, Mariota could very well do a very nice uh, Aaron Rodgers impersonation here in the next couple of years as he continues to develop his game. Um, he, they, they, they play a lot of similar ways, except for Mario's obviously much faster and uh, more of a point guard when he's got the ball in the run than anybody I've ever seen. But uh, if you were going to have to pick a quarterback that never bet against, it's that guy. You know, as, as good as Tom Brady is, it's his. He, he's got a good defense with him and, you know, uh, his team tends to just go out there and just beat the crap out of people. I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I'm just saying I would have an easier time calling a game. You know, Usually you're going to bet with the Patriots. You're going to bet with Tom Brady. I would never bet against Aaron Rodgers in any game because that dude finds a way to just magically hit long bombs at the last second of the game and win. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully we see Mario to become the Hawaiian Rodgers, uh, and he, you know, it, he is a fantastic quarterback. It's it, that's all you can say about it, man. He's just, and he's an unbelievable player, and I just really can't pick against him right now. Especially, I mean, you saw that thirty-five yard toss to the end zone where he he gets out of the grasp to get there. I mean, that was just phenomenal. I think it was Adam. It was Schefter's. freaking mad. Yeah, I think Adam Schefter said he just broke Madden. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was nasty. He, he's when he's on like that. There's nothing you can do. I mean, you can just sit and watch and all. Just let your jaw hit the floor because you're not stopping him. And he's hitting that mode at the perfect time, which makes this Packers team scary. Glenn, uh, I know we had some very exciting picks there, taking the favorite in every game. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> who do you have? If you had to pick right now, who do you have in the Super Bowl? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say the Patriots because I believe Tom Mady's – Tom Mady. I believe Tom Brady is on an absolute mission. Tom Brady. I believe Tom Brady is on an absolute mission to tell Roger Goodell to go fuck himself for that suspension earlier this year. Um, I don't think Tom Brady is going to allow that team to lose in the playoffs. The only team I see that could run with them would be the Steelers, and I think the Patriots are still a better team. So I'm going to say the Patriots. Uh, again, you're taking the number one seed. It is what it is. The Cowboys are a team I think that can be beaten, uh, but the only team that I would pick against them would end up being the Packers, and I don't know if the Packers can beat the Cowboys this year. Uh, it's it's not that the Cowboys are so good. It's just that ground game works so well, and Ezekiel Elliott has just found a way to continuously gain yards, even when it looks like there's nothing there for him. He, just, he gets the ball down the damn field. And Dak Prescott... He's not a great quarterback. He may never be a great quarterback, but he does enough to win, and his team believes in him. And if anything happens to him, he's probably the the Cowboys are probably the only team in the entire playoffs that the backup quarterback is actually a better quarterback than the starter. So if Dak Prescott gets beat up and goes out of the game, the Cowboys offense up t- takes a tick up to me. Um, Tony Robo may not be the most respected guy in the league, but he can absolutely throw the ball downfield. He makes Des Bryant a better receiver. So the Cowboys are probably the best team to come out of there. I would like the Packers over them, but I don't think that the Packers can necessarily beat the Cowboys this year. And I don't believe in the Falcons. I don't believe in the Giants, the Lions, or the Seahawks. So if I'm making my call, it's the two number one seeds the Patriots and the Cowboys, but I could see the Cowboys getting knocked out before they get to the championship game. Yeah, uh, I'm going with the Patriots and the AFC. I'm going to go with you there, stick with the favorite. Um, just They're a well-rounded football team. They play, you know, it's a good, it's not great, but it's a good defense. Obviously, you know, their offense is, is so deadly with Tom Brady back there, and they have... Even when they have weapons out, it, it, I mean, Tom Brady seems like in that system he can make a star out of anybody. Uh, how many tiny white receivers has Tom Brady made into a 1,000-yard receivers over the years? Uh, you know, he's just an excellent football player, and I think that they're going to get in there in his uh, fuck you tour, and then he'll get into the Super Bowl. And on the other side, I'm actually going to go against the number one seed. As much as I like watching this Cowboys team, uh, you know, they play a lot. Their offense is real similar to what we do in Tennessee, you know, with the the running game and running downhill behind a good offensive line. And uh, I really like watching them play. 
but I just that's a lot of youth on that team. Youth normally does not uh, bode well for a playoff football team, and that's going to be uh, you know a big thing for me watching them. And I and I like to you. I said, or sorry, just like you said, I don't have a lot of faith in this Atlanta Falcons team. How many times have we seen a Matt Ryan led Falcons team have a good season and go one and done in the playoffs? I just don't have any faith in them in the win. And, um, you know, when it comes into January and February. So, for me, I think it's going to have to be the Packers. And I really think if I had to pick a second team besides the Packers, it might be the Giants. Uh, because, you know, they're a well-balanced team. They play good on both sides of the football. You know, Atlanta plays very suspect defense. And, you know, and then Vic Beasley comes up big for them. But he's, you know, injured. We'll be seeing if he can play or not. And outside of him it, it's really not that good of a defense and they just play an, a great enough offense where they can overpower you a lot of times in the playoffs that's not, not going to work we've seen that kind of system fail quite often balanced football teams are the ones that normally make it to the Super Bowl and win Super Bowls uh, for me I think the Packers you know are a team right now that are playing good balanced football and they have Aaron Rodgers right now who's playing lights out as we were talking about and the Giants right now play good balanced football so those are two teams that I think could make runs. So I really think whoever wins that matchup could be representing the NFC in the the Super Bowl. Um, I just don't have a lot of faith in a lot of these other teams that have bad defenses. Yeah, I agree. And my, my one of my best friends is a Falcons fan. I actually watch them quite a bit just so I can talk to him about them and possibly give him shit. This year they've had a pretty good season. Matt Ryan has played really well this year. Um, I predicted he was going to play really well last year, and he didn't turn it up. And they, they ran the ball really well last year, but this year he's playing much better. And I still can't see that team surviving because if you can't play defense, you generally cannot win a Super Bowl. You cannot get to the Super Bowl. Uh, very few teams can not play defense and get there. You can win the regular season, but that doesn't mean anything come playoff time. Uh, like, like you said, if it's not the Cowboys, then it's the winner of the Giants and Packers game to me. Uh, I think the winner of that team can knock off the Cowboys. All right, we'll be as I've always sorry, we'll be waiting to see what happens in this playoffs. It should be exciting. Uh, definitely sucks that the Titans will not be a part of it, but you know, hopefully we get to see Houston get the the piss beat out of them by somebody, and that'll be a nice little silver lining to all of this. But now, that's all we have for the show today, guys. As I said earlier, the poll question this week will be um, you know, predicting next year's final record for the Tennessee Titans. It's up already. You can go check it out as soon as the show drops. It's already up there. Um, also, uh, because we're at the end of the season, there's no more Tennessee Titans games left. Uh, there's no more Know Your Enemy articles for this year. I'm sure they'll be back next year. Glenn... Loves doing them, I know, and uh, we all love reading them. But uh, one more thing, definitely check out Hang10 if you haven't checked it out yet. It's hangtn.com. They sell Titans merchandise. I actually just got my sweatshirt in the other day um, from them. First thing I've ever bought from them. And it it says, I'm I'm wearing it right now, actually, as we're doing the podcast. Uh, There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. It's Mike Keith's call from you know, the Music City Miracle on a sweatshirt, which is just super awesome. They have a lot of great stuff on there, so go check it out. If you use the promo code 
if you use the promo code uh, two tone all capitals one word two tone you'll get ten percent off of your purchase on any purchase uh, that you make so definitely check them out uh, really great site I can't talk them up enough even no we're doing a promo code I'm telling you like I bought this before we started doing the promotional stuff because their stuff is really cool. Uh, so definitely check them out. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. We're going to you know, start getting the offseason, talk about the draft more, talk about free agency more, uh, you know, getting you ready for everything you need to know this offseason and get you prepared for this draft. So we'll be back next week and, and every week following. So you know, keep on listening, and, and thanks for listening. Thanks for everybody um, that's involved and that's been helping out the show. And a, a special shout-out real quick um, to Tammy Hendricks. Uh, she actually they had the Mariota get well card at the game, and she actually wrote a little get well from us because um, us three couldn't be at the game. So she wrote a little get well from the Two Tone uh, Uncensored podcast on the card. So you know, shout out to her, uh, big thank you for that. Um, everybody, as always, thanks for listening and uh, tighten up. And, yeah, definitely a big thank you to Tammy, and you know. Reach out to your uh, Titans players this off season. Let, let them know that you know you still love them. Let them know you're here with them. You know, hit them up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Just keep keep the energy going this off season, so these guys know the fan base is behind them. Because the attendance was terrible this week. We expected that uh, a lot of season ticket holders aren't going to show up for a game that means absolutely nothing. We cannot stress enough. Next year, we've got to fill that stadium. We've got to take home field advantage back, and just tighten up, keep your keep your fans, your your fellow fans invigorated, keep the team invigorated. Let's let's get through this off season with this positive feeling that we all have. Absolutely. Podbean, Podbean, I do. Thanks for listening to the Two Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.